Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. So, you got your Bible? Let's head into some scripture. I know you're probably wondering, you're like, Brenton, I'm not sure if the camera is focused on me in such a way, but like, why are you wearing your sandals to church? And I know, I'm wearing my sandals. Even my wife questioned my attire when I left the house this morning. And she's like, why? And I'm like, well, first off, it's hot. We all get that. If you're in Southern California, you know it's been hot. It's been humid. Sandals make sense. But I'm wearing sandals because sandals show up in today's scripture story. So if you've got Exodus chapter 3, you're going to turn there with us. For the past couple of weeks, we have been walking through some of these just magnificent stories from those early parts of the Old Testament. So we go all the way back into Genesis where things began. And the storyline for us even a couple of weeks ago with, was a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was one of those brothers who, and Joseph had that Technicolor dream coat like Andrew Lloyd Webber tells us about. He, his brothers hate him for it because they think dad loves him more. They sell him off into slavery. They get him to Egypt. And the story that we dealt with two weeks ago was how God, in the midst of Joseph's calamity and wherever he ended up, God was able to do something with his life. And then last week, we were able to turn our attention to the story of Moses as it begins. And Moses begins as he is drawn from the Nile River. Literally, drawn from, that's what his name means. Moses means drawn from the river because he was born as a baby, like most people are, right? Like, just thinking about that one. He was born like a baby. And the rule of the day was, if you are a Hebrew boy, you had to be killed. And the Pharaoh, the king of the land, said, if you're a baby boy in this land we, and you're Hebrew, we're going to kill you. But his mother protected him, let him drift down river in his, his basket, which actually the word there is ark. It was a protective moment before God could reveal him. And then actually Pharaoh's daughter gets the basket out of the water, draws him from the water, and eventually Moses grows up in Pharaoh's household. He becomes almost like an Egyptian. I wonder if he learned how to walk like an Egyptian. Okay, dad jokes aside, we're here in Egypt, and we are with Moses. And these first two chapters of Exodus cover 80 years of history because we get the birth of Moses. We also get the moment for him where he grows up in Pharaoh's household. He becomes one of them, but at age 40, he's kind of roughly 40. He's, he's kind of coming to grips with himself as I I. Yes, I have grown up in Pharaoh's household, but I'm not an Egyptian. I'm actually Hebrew, and I get more in common with all of these slaves that have been made here in Egypt. These are the slaves that are taking part in all of Pharaoh's dirty work. They're building the big cities. They're building all the big structures. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think about what Egypt looks like, because it looks like desert, and you might think about, oh, what about the pyramid or the sphinx or the other great statues and structures that they have in that country? But this is how you get that done with slave labor, and the Hebrew people were made slaves, and Moses is thinking to himself, am I Egyptian or am I Hebrew? And at age 40, he leaves the land. He actually gets into a fight with an Egyptian and kills him, and he has to get out of town. And for 40 years, he's in the desert. What happens in 40 years? That's basically the, the, the gist of chapter 2. Well, he heads to, the, it heads to the desert, runs into a woman, 
meets her father, joins the family, and he is given the woman as his wife. Her name is Zipporah, and they begin to make family known. But, but Moses is like, I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back there. He's like, I'm fine and dandy out here in, in, in this part of the land because I'm with my father-in-law, Jethro, which is a great name, and I'm with my wife, Zipporah, and things are all great. But then we get to chapter 3, and this chapter changes everything because this chapter, we learn something about who God is that hasn't been told to us if we only have been reading Genesis and the first two chapters of Exodus. So Exodus chapter 3 And the word should be on the screen as I read along. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over. And see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Ah, yeah, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I love this story. There's probably a good chance that a lot of you out there love this story because you love the magnificence of it. You love the storyline of how, how Moses comes to this burning bush moment. We've heard about it. You may have seen a movie rendition of it. 
you may think like, oh, what could that have been like? But what we find about this story is we learn something about God is that he actually hears the cries of his people, which is good news for you and me because there's probably days that you have. I don't know. It's definitely my story where I wonder, is God even alive? Is he paying attention to what's happening in my life? And you have to understand there's a big difference between where we're at in Exodus in this story and where we used to be in Genesis. Because if you remember the story of Genesis where it ended up and Joseph had gotten his whole family to Egypt, that was like the last good moment of the story. But that was 400 plus years ago. And so for 400 plus years, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph and beyond have been in slavery. Because there was a king that came into power that didn't know the stories of the old days about how Joseph was actually a good guy. And so the story goes south, right? Like, have you ever watched that kind of movie unfold? You're like, oh, something's going bad right now. And you've read that story. You're like, this is how it happens. They get to the bottom end of the pit, and this is where they're at. And everything's bad. The people of God, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, are in slavery and bondage. And for 400 years years. That's the difference between Genesis 50 and Exodus 1. 400 years. There have been days in my life where I have said out loud and even to myself, God, are you even alive? Are you sleeping on the job right now? Because there are things around me that aren't going well, or there are people around me that are hurting and are so desperate for you to do something. And I wonder if he's even there. But could you imagine if your story as a people, as a family, as, as just people that you're connected to, that for 400 years it's been a certain way, you probably would have what, what psychologists would say, you would have this mentality that just it's always going to be this way. And you never have hope that it's going to change. But in this storyline, everything changed. Much like the song we sang earlier, how Jesus changes everything, this story of Exodus 3 changes everything because we get a glimpse into who God is and how he works. Because he's no longer the distant God, the God who's out there who, who might send the rain if they need it to grow the crops so they can live. He's actually the God that hears their cries and he responds. And I love the fact that he chooses to respond with his friend Moses. Imagine Moses, who's out there, like we're told, in three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. He's just tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. What does that mean? Could you like, get a glimpse of what Egypt looks like in your head? And perhaps consider the setting. If Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, where is he going? Much like farmers of any place, you've got to rotate where they go so that they can have the, the adequate quantity of food, the, the, the grass or the shrubbery that they eat. It's a season right now where some people are even using goats in this, this part of Orange County to kind of take care of some shrubs. It happens up on, there was a, a couple weeks ago, I was on the northern part of Orange up into the hills, and there was a whole segment where they were covered with probably 200 goats, and they were just eating everything. That's, that's the storyline that we get. Though Moses wasn't in Orange County, he was in Egypt. And I don't know if you've been to Egypt. I haven't been to Egypt. I've seen enough pictures. This is what I imagine Egypt being. 
rocks and dirt and like more rocks and dirt. There doesn't seem to be much life. It just seems to be a desert mentality. And for Moses to be tending his father-in-law like sheep, like all of, all of his cattle and his herds, like he's got to rotate the time. But could you imagine for 40 years doing that over and over and over again? But yet this day is different because when Moses turns the corner, he sees this bush that is burning and it does not burn up. Question, do you think the bush had been burning for 40 years or was it burning that day? Or, get this, I wonder if it had been burning a lot longer and Moses today was waking up to it. I wonder if this is the day that he finally was able to notice what God was doing. And then when he sees the bush and he goes over to it and he hears this voice that cries out and even the voice that says, hey, you should take your sandals off because that's why I wore sandals to church today because sandals shows up in the story. But take your, take your sandals off, Moses, because the ground you are standing upon is holy. Another question was the ground holy before Moses got there, or had it been holy in that moment? And I'm of the opinion that when Moses takes notice of God's presence, even in his voice through that burning bush, it's God's presence that makes the ground holy. And if we are aware of God's presence wherever he is, it's holy ground. What does that mean? Do you have to walk around barefoot? Of course not. That would be crazy. Some people would look at you in weird ways, unless you're at the beach, unless you're in the backyard, unless you're doing something. But what does it mean to come across this burning bush moment for Moses and he is called out and said, hey, I've heard the cries of my people and I'm sending you to go to Egypt. This is your lot in life. Now as an 80-year-old, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And Moses, you know, is coming up with the excuses. I don't know. I don't know. Like, who are you? Will they believe me? And God goes through this moment where he has to explain himself and, and hey, remind the people, I am who I am. And tell them that I am sent you. And if you're like me, you're like, that seems a little confusing because the verb conjugation of the English language for this translation doesn't get the, the full weight of it across. But it read in the original Hebrew and even to that next verse where we're told that this is who he is supposed to be and tell the people this. This is, happens in verse 15. God is explaining to Moses, hey, I'm the one who has heard the cries of my people and I'm going to go get them. And Moses is blown away. And if, again, if you're Moses, you left town from Egypt 40 years ago. You don't want to go back there. Because first off, there's still a murder charge because you killed that person. You don't want to go back to the past. But God says, no, 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 I'm going to send you back there, Moses, because I want you to rescue my people. And I want you to get them out of the land of Egypt. And it sets up the story that all of us know, the ten plagues that come. And finally, the wake-up moment for, for Pharaoh. And if you've got kids in the house and you're like, I love this story, I encourage you, even continue to read beyond what we are looking at today because it's magnificent to see what God does when he shows up. But what I'm struck with at this story is how this story connects with my heart, my soul, and my life because at one reading, I can be distant. I can say, nope, that's Moses' story. That's not mine. But if I am able to actually allow the story to impact me, I have to ask myself this question. Are there burning bushes that I have walked by and not seen? 
I wonder why it is that it took Moses 40 years to notice this burning bush. Because I bet it's easier to see God at times when you're in the desert and everything has been stripped away. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand that moment where sometimes it's easier to go on that vacation moment where you have no cell signal and I can't be connected to anything else? And it's in those moments that I feel the most connected to God. And it's as if God had to say, Moses, I got to get you out of Egypt. I got to get you out in the desert and I'll meet you there. And I wonder how many times God has been saying that to me where he's like, hey, Brenton, you are so consumed with everything around you you are not able to hear me or even see me. And that's a prayer we pray at Refuge a lot, that God would open our ears and our eyes to be able to see God's fingerprints at work. But I'm afraid, because I know who I am, that I crowd God out because of my busyness. There are moments where I think, oh, if my calendar's full, I feel like I'm, I'm valuable. I'm getting a lot done. And God's saying, hey, when are you going to take time and engage with me? And as we continue to think about this story, how Moses works when he talks to God in that moment, when Moses is finally waking up to God's presence and, and, and God is knocking at his door, his mental door, right? The thickness of his head. And it's not just Moses' issue, it's actually my issue. And I bet even some of you have this issue where we are so in our own zone, we are doing our own thing, we have our own goals, we have our own agendas at heart. And when we are in that place, we are unable to see what God has for us. We're even unable to see how God is going to knock at our heart and say, hey, I want to take you here. Would you be willing to go here with me? Because this story, I don't want to just say like, hey, just drop yourself in and become Moses. That's not how it works because that's the story of what happened millennium ago about how God rescued his people. But if I read this story and I figure out how God is in the business of doing life, I get a sense that he wants to rescue people and he wants to redeem their stories. And if he does that, then he's going to do it now, and he wants to continue to do it in the future, and he's done that to me. That's why I'm even here. That's why I even feel called to be a pastor, because I want to see people's lights turn on to what God is up to, but my guess is that he's constantly challenging me and you and so many of us to consider where is it that he's taking us so that we can invite people into that story about how our lives get rescued and redeemed. So when I read this story about Moses, it can't just be like, hey, I'm going to read it, close the book, and be done and feel good about myself because I checked God off with my devotional of the day. But for me, on this day, this Moses story sticks in my gut because God is not just in the business of calling people from the past. He's in the business of even calling people today. And my challenge to myself, and even I want to invite you into this because misery loves company. I want you to come with me. Because there's a sense that God is still calling his people. And he even wants to call you and me. But the question before us is, have we crowded him out because we're just doing our own thing? We're just doing our agenda. We're just staying in our lane, bro. And God's saying, hey, I want to use you to change this world. And we continue to come up with excuses like Moses did that day. Like, I don't know. Like, even if you continue to the story, Moses says something like, God, I don't talk good. 
And God, in his frustration, is like, Moses, I'm still going to use you, even though you want to put yourself on the bench. I'm going to put you in the game. And he says that to me, and he says it to you. Because he still wants to use us. He's not done with this moment that we're like, yeah, 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 raise your hand if you're a Christian. It goes way beyond that. For us here at Refuge, we don't want you to just check off the box like you get into heaven free card moment. It's actually way bigger than that. For us at Refuge, it's a lifestyle. Like We want God to inform everything about who we are, but we also need him to inform us about where we're going. It's no longer just about today. It's like, where are we headed? And how is it that God is challenging us to move into that space? But I'm telling you, there are so many things that are distractions in my life. The phone that I keep near near me is a huge distraction. Sometimes, I'll even waste away hours in my days doing things that don't mean anything. And God's like, I can't speak to you because you're doing your thing. When are you going to become available to me? And he's not just asking that question to me. I guarantee you, he's asking that question to every single one of us. And some of us need to go to the desert. Maybe not literally, but some of us need to go to the desert this week and hear from God. I don't know what that space looks like from you, whether it's away from people or things or noises. But I'm afraid that I don't want the story of my coronavirus life right now. This is like the life that we're all living. We're, we're all hunkered down and just getting by. I don't want to just become bitter because of how things are. I want to continually ask the question, how can God use me in this space to bless people? Because there are hurting people all around me. There are people hurting because of the economic impact of everything that's going on. And jobs aren't the same. The incomes aren't the same. And there's so many moments where people are saying, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. So my question is, is God, what are you going to do? And God is in the, in the business of saying, hey, Brenton, I'm, I'm putting you in those positions as well. I'm going to send you. Because it's easy for us at times to just distance ourselves from God until God shows up with a miracle and changes everything. Isn't it? Don't we do that? Don't we put God in that box? Like, hey, God, you got to do this or you're not God. And there's even a question that people say, like, hey, where was God when this happened? And isn't it interesting? In those moments, the voice that I hear, the kind of the retort, the reply that I hear in my head is, hey, Brenton, I've been there all along because I have you there. Or I have other people there. It's on my radar, too. Don't worry. So God is not missing his people he hears our cries he hears what's going on and he's changing our realities as he invites us into his kingdom the same way he invites moses into a new story and he's challenging every single one of us to say are we willing to live that story are we just going to live our story and i want to put this as delicately as i can my agenda gets in the way of god all the time I wonder if yours does the same. I wonder if you and me as human beings who are just completely succumbed to this world around us, we want to go get the things of this world. And God's like, hey, I want to take you here, but you're doing your thing and I can't because you're listening to something else and you're not even available. And sometimes God's going to take us into the desert, literally or figuratively, and have us walk around for a good long time until we're willing to wake up to the fact that the burning bush has been there the whole time. And we're just waking up to it.
But this story in Exodus changes the entire rest of Scripture. Because we get a new name for who God is. And it goes in those last couple of verses of, of verse 14 and verse 15 where God tells Moses who he is so that he can explain to the Israelites, this is who sent you. The words that we get for God in that moment is a huge Hebrew word that continues to have power to this day. It's a word called Yahweh. And this Yahweh God that we learn about is the God who's in the business of rescuing and redeeming his people. And it's not just a story for Moses in Exodus 3. It's also a story for us today. Because the Yahweh God that we read about in the Old Testament is not just for back then, it's also for 2020 and beyond. Because the Yahweh God has his ears open to hear the cries of his people. What are you crying out for this week and today that you want God to hear? Keep crying out. There is no shame on continuing to knock on God's door. Beat it down until he hears I can guarantee you he does. Does he always act at our timeline? Heck no. We know that because we read enough scripture, we read enough stories in the Bible, and we, we either find good company or we get frustrated because, God, you don't, you don't work according to our timeline. But here's the good news. I don't want him to. I don't want to have a God who only does what I want, right? Because that would be a very limited God, if he only does what I want. I need a God who's bigger than my story, my life, and everything around me because I need a God who's aware of it all. And he's welcoming Moses into that story way back in Exodus 3, and he's doing the same today. And he's saying to every single one of us, I have, I've heard the cries of you, of all your people around you, of your country, of your state, of your city, of this world. I've heard it. And I want to bring the redemption and deliverance that I, I have planned. But here's the thing. I want to use you to do it. And he's speaking to me and he's speaking to you. And he's saying, are you ready? And so I can't go by the desert burning bush moment and just let it be a nice cute story that we tell kids. Because that story impacts me today. I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't want to crowd him out by my agenda my life can't just be about clocking in, clocking out, making money, going on vacation. That can't be it. I want my life to have purpose. I want to invite people into a redemptive story about how God does things. That's what I get reminded about with Exodus 3. And my hope is the same for you, that for every single one of us, we have the opportunity to taste and see that God is good because of how he acts and what he does. I want to pray over you this morning. We're going to have a worship moment right after my prayer, and we're going to continue to worship as a, as a church family. My hope is that you don't even just stop listening or watching right now because God wants to even cement what we have been talking about with even a song like this. So God, would you challenge us to see you at work this week? I pray for every single one who is listening and watching wherever we go this week alone. 
May we notice the burning bushes in our lives, the moments where we can encounter you and be blown away by your presence, but also that we would have our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes open to be affected by you, that this life that you have given to us is not just to make it. You're not in the business of just letting us eke it out and make it and survive. You want us to thrive. You want us to completely embrace your kingdom. I pray this week that we do that in challenging and big ways. There's going to be moments where we're scared of where you're taking us because we don't know the outcome. But like Moses, may we trust you, the one who will lead us into those places and lead us out. You are the good God who guides your people all the time. You don't stop. May you do it again this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.